This is Camilla and you're listening to The Cat's Whisker, a time machine for all those who love rock and roll and want to know everything about it. People, stories and the music that changed the world. In a few words, it doesn't matter whether you've lived through those years or just like me, you've always wondered what it was like. I have loads of stories to tell and great music to play. So let's roll! Hello everyone and welcome back to the Cat's Whisker. It's been a long time but I'm back with a great episode that is also featuring a guest and for the first time it's actually not Liam (laughs) and this guest is very very special and has an incredible body of work. This is actually my very first interview so I was very nervous not only because it was my first interview uh, but also because this guy is a legend i'm talking about the one and only john kosh he worked with the beatles designed the cover of abbey road and let it be and was also present at the rooftop concert but these are just a few of the things that is done he worked with many many artists and won three grammy awards I also want to say a big thank you to Jenny Shore, who's Kosh's partner and manager. And I also want to add a great musician. She was in one of the first pop punk female bands in LA in the 70s and 80s. And so, yes, she has an incredible body of work, both in music and also in fashion. So as you can imagine, I was very, very nervous about this interview. So you can hear that I was very nervous. So I hope you'll enjoy it. I did my best. I really wanted to ask more questions but I was so nervous but I'm very lucky because these two are great and Kosh has been just the best guy to talk to so without further ado let's play the interview hi everyone today I'm really really happy because I'm here with John Kosh, art director and album cover designer, winner of three Grammy Awards. Kosh worked with the Beatles at Apple and designed the covers of both Abbey Road and Let It Be, but not only. Over the years, he worked with The Who, The Eagles, Linda Ronstadt, The Rolling Stones, Rod Stewart, Electric Like Orchestra, and many more. And today I'm lucky enough to be able to interview him. Welcome to The Cat's Whisker. <laughs> Oh, good grief. Thank you. <laughs> that says it all. I can go home now. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning for me. Good afternoon for you. True, true. Yes. <laughs> um, so let's start from the beginning. How did you first discover your passion? Oh, as an artiste, shall we say? Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, my dad wanted me to be an engineer and, um, you know, it was either, I think when it came to the time, I, the conscription, I was either go to art school or join the army and I didn't feel like getting shot at. So Fair enough. <laughs> I could draw hands, which not many people can do. Mm-hmm. And that got me into art school and I learned some skills there. And uh, uh, I never graduated. I, I left I left uh, Hornsey College of Art, which was a great place, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and went into came a lowly sort of paste up artist in, a, in the British Printing Corporation. But one of our clients um, was the Royal Opera House. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went on, you know, to get married one sort of uh, cold, dark night and came back and found we'd all been fired. But I managed to sort of go with the Royal Opera House. Mm-hmm. And to cut a very long story short, the um, the guy who ran the Royal Opera House. Um, he had a partner, Mario Amaya, 
who uh, ran the Venice Biennale and whatever else, and it was mm -hmm. a museum of art in Toronto. And he just let me work on as art director for his magazine. It's a prestigious magazine called Art and Artists. Mm -hmm. And so there I was and picking up the phone and dealing with all sorts of great artists, you know, the great 60s yeah. British art. And, of course, one of the people I had to speak to was John Lennon. And yeah. <laughs> I had to go and see him with Yoko in Hammersmith Hospital, of all places. And we got on like, a, you know, it's like, come on in, put a, you know, have a cup of tea, let's talk. And uh, he liked my design work, and I started working on the War is Over campaign. Uh-huh, yeah. Then I found myself finding a desk, which means literally finding a desk, um, uh, spare, um, at Apple Records. And mm -hmm. on, it's like, oh, God, it's Mary Hopkins, it's Billy. Yeah. There's the, the Fab Four. So we started working on Let It Be. I think it was called Get Back at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, that got interrupted, and we started working on Abbey Road. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It must have, it must have been quite chaotic at at that point in time. Well, I mean, yeah, it was. Yeah. Yes, it was. It was. It was high powered chaos. Actually, it was. Uh, um, it was a great. It was great. A great fun place to work. You know, but it was yeah. intense. You know, all those singles and albums that were going out, all of them, you know, sort of flying up and down. So the fast, yeah. Um, and the Beatles are flying up and down the staircase. You know, it was it was really uh, quite chaotic and hectic. But you know, we'd get start work at like nine ten a.m. and we'd still be working at nine ten p.m. You know, and it was uh, you know, we never missed a deadline despite all the chaos. Well, that's that's pretty good, especially considering <laughs> well, the, the pressure. You know, that is the mantra, isn't it? You never dare. You come in on budget and you never miss a deadline. You know? No, no, exactly, exactly, and I believe. Um, well, it, you you were talking about it. Um, that Abbey Road. Uh, you you mentioned it. Was it your first work as album designer? Uh, well, yes, I guess published because I was really working on Get Back because we had to do. No, exactly. Yeah. Now, if you notice, that if you get the package, the album's called Let It Be, but the book is called Get Back. Yeah. Half a million of them, and you can't throw them away. You know. Um, Must have been nerve-wracking. Yeah, right, precisely. <laughs> but, you know, it's the Fab Four. You I mean, that's why I never put, bothered to put there, well, not bothered, I mean, it's a deliberate decision not to put the name of the band on the on the covers of Abbey Road or Let It Be, because if you didn't know who they were, you had literally been living in a cave. No, exactly, <laughs> exactly. There was no need. Probably one of the few artists that really, you don't really need to know. I mean, no, yes, I, I you already game. know. Yeah, I did it again for the Eagles for Hotel California. So, mm -hmm. I mean, but now yeah. they're going. Hey Jude didn't have a title on it either. I don't know. I mean, it, you know, it just became. Yeah, the, the bigger the artist, the less I was inclined to sort of. No, exactly. Despite <laughs> my typography, which is normally very elegant. So. Mm -hmm. No, true, and um, so obviously, um, I feel like get the get back documentary that just recently uh, came out. It, it really showed people another side of the late Beatles. Like many people think that they were always arguing and fighting, but from what we can gather from Get Back, it was a bit different. What well, do you the think original, it was let it, like? Let it be movie was. I mean, I went to the premiere of it. I mean the. Mm -hmm. the Bottles didn't turn up. Um, but, I mean, I didn't finish the film. I mean, I was so dis depressed and upset about it because that's not nowhere near an accurate yeah. 
of what was going on. In fact, even though we know, knew the Beatles were breaking up, everyone was still so enthusiastic and jolly about the whole thing, you know, um, because it was such a great run that the, the film did not reflect that. But the new one does, because there was an awful lot of stuff going on in the background, which was very funny and very elevating in some respects. I mean, yeah. that's fun because it gets us to the roof. But, you know, um, yeah. it was... It was a joyous occasion for me to be a dealing with uh, the fabs and also no, exactly. with the, and the people in there. They everyone was determined to make this, you know, a great album and a great record, and um, also bouncing off the success of Abbey Road, which, in my humble opinion, was the best of all the Beatles albums. <laughs> I mean, it's difficult to argue with that. <laughs> people are going to say Abbey Road, Rubber Soul, you know. You know, I'm all... a fan of the early Beatles. Like, I'm absolutely obsessed with the early Beatles. I, I love it all, obviously. I moved to Liverpool right, from Italy. Italy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Liverpool twang, I notice here. I know, but no one can place my accent. They're always like, you sound like an American with a Scouse accent. Where yes. are you from? No one ever gets Italy. Right. <laughs> no one. Where are we from? Uh, Milan. Oh, Milan. Okay, great. The yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. To be fair, to be fair, I have to be honest here. I was born in Milan. My family comes from Milan, but I grew up in a place with 500 inhabitants in the middle of the countryside. Okay, so I say Milan, but no one knows where I'm actually from. It's, are we in Umbria? Or where are we? Where are we? No, where? it's like 30 minutes from Milan, but no one knows oh. about it. <laughs> oh, I see. It's not down right down. Okay, okay. No, no, it's still very, very close. But even people from Milan don't know where the place I grew up is. And it's literally 30 minutes from there. So obviously, when I moved to Liverpool, big city, it, it was it was quite, you know, the change. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. You must have a gift of languages because you speak perfect English. Kind of I, I speak Spanish as well, fluently. Oh, uh, I love languages. languages. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no. Uh, I mean, English obviously is very helpful here. I'm not gonna lie. Think, yes, and um, so, um, obviously, you worked with many artists, and um, you obviously worked as well with the Rolling Stones. And uh, I absolutely love the cover of "Through the Past Darkly." The photo through the broken glass is just right, brilliant. Yeah. How did that come about? Well, that that came out because I think it was I think it was Ethan Russell's idea just to smash the glass that we pressed the noses up against, you know. Yeah. Um, but it was a great session. It was done in LA. Um, uh, the, the one thing about the Stones is they're so professional. I mean, it's mm -hmm. a, they, people don't expect this, you know. Everyone no. turns up. Well, Keith doesn't turn up on time, but he's so charming and apologetic that it. You can forgive him. <laughs> And everyone's sort of straight and sober, you know, and they do their job and they leave. And yeah. it's like their concerts, you know, they get on stage, they don't say very much, they just go <laughs> say, hello, Los Angeles, and go, you know. I mean, yeah. um, um, that was a good experience working with the Stones. Yeah. They, they're coming out with a new album soon, I think. Well, it's out well. already, I believe. Is I mean, it? Oh, my goodness. Well, the, single's out. the single's out, that's what it is. Yes, yes. The album, and I've seen the cover, and I'm not that thrilled with the cover. But... <laughs> Professional opinion. So I'm curious about what's the work you're the most proud of? What's the closest to your heart? 
Well, I think probably Linda Ronstadt and Simple Dreams, because yeah. we're apart from the fact we're dear pals. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, in fact, I spent the weekend with her two weeks, eight weekends ago. Oh. Um, Jenny and I. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm very proud. Somehow or another, well, it won a Grammy, and I was kind of very proud of the way it came together. The photography is absolutely stunning by Jim Shea. Um, and my topography is just right on there. <laughs> And the way it was first printed, I mean, I spent hours on press with that thing, making sure the colours were absolutely where we wanted. Mm -hmm. It's been reprinted several times. It's not quite got the edge that it had before, but um, mm -hmm. I think that's possibly the one that I go straight to, first of all. Yeah. But now I have a question. It might sound very, very stupid uh, because I know nothing about design. I have to come clean <laughs> about this. Um, so I was wondering... Um, how the creative process, and especially, I was actually wondering, obviously now a lot of it is computer-based, I assume. How yes. was it in the past? And, I mean, obviously things changed. How did your job change? Uh, well, you know, yeah, it was all cut and paste and making huge prints and retouching them with airbrushes and uh, all coming up and designing things with airbrush, um, like the Electric Light Orchestra logo, you know, which is... And airbrush color by color, cutting through stencils and color by color. And of course, if it bleeds, you're ruined. You've got to start again. So something which would take three or four days, well, now you could do in probably an hour on the computer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but of course, it gives you more time now to experiment. Yeah. You, know, you can even throw. You can actually come up with something and this decided first thing in the morning. Oh, let's jump. Come on, you can do better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so in some respects, it's. In some, it's liberating in some respects, you know, the, the computer. Mm, yeah. Uh, but, you know, the craftsmanship has changed totally. I've no longer got those cuts and scars on my fingers from the scalpel blades. And, <laughs> and um, so you were talking about Linda Ronstadt before. And, um, I mean, uh, of course, you also won uh, three Grammy Awards yeah. because of your work with her. But I believe you've been nominated for the first time, probably in 1975, for your work with Rod Stewart. Yeah, I think um, we got a nomination for that and Melissa Madge. I think I've had seven nominations. It's, uh, I checked. It's <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm curious, how did it feel like being nominated for the first time and then obviously winning later? Um, winning is actually amazing. I mean, you must admit you're standing on the stage. I got totally tongue-tied for the first time. It's like, well, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's a huge buzz, you can imagine. You know. Yeah. Um, and by the second time, I've got it down, you know, because, uh, I mean, I knew I was going to win the first time. I just knew it. So I had a feeling about it. Yeah. You know? Other times I've just, you know, icing on the cake, as it were. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, it's great. You know, you're sort of with, with your peers. I mean, backstage is fantastic. Yeah. I imagine. You know, just sitting there tinkling away, doing things. You know, you're sitting next to you, you know, Ma and then there's oh. um <laughs> and but then, then that those days it was smaller and more intimate. And I think yeah. now it's so big. Yeah, oh yeah. It is. Because I am a you know, I I, I am a Grammy member. Um, yeah. I used to be on the board of trustees, actually. Mm, mm -hmm. I couldn't play tennis, so I was out. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, we were talking about Linda Ronstadt. How did you two meet? 
Um, I think because I came over to the States and it was very difficult to break into the clique in Los Angeles and trying to, to love it, dragging your portfolio around. Yeah. Um, I was kind of like the new kid in town who worked for the Beatles and there was kind of slight resentment there, you know. Um, so I thought, well, I won't go to record companies. I'll go to um, the labels and I'm mean, not the labels. I'll go to the managers. Um, and of course, one manager I would hit up immediately was Peter Asher, who used to work at Apple. Yeah. So I knew him quite well. And he said, well, would you like to meet Linda Runstan? Because, yeah, that's it. And we clicked. And, you know, Prisoner of Disguise came out of that. And then we decided that we should be doing Hasten Down the Wind. Then we decided it. And then it went on from there. From that point on, uh, she trusted me. And, you know, and um, she would say things like, well, i got to be heavier with this. This is too pretty. I need something stronger. It's a mad <laughs> life where she looks kind of spirally punky, but also very beautiful. <laughs> same time so i've always managed to make her kind of look as she is gorgeous you know <laughs> that's the, the best way really because i assume as an artist that's you know you, you really want someone that gets you so i was actually wondering if you listen to the music of the album when you're designing it how how does yes. it work for you what i like to do um is i like to listen to the music in the studio if possible so i can hear rough mixes or whatever's coming back out of the booth you know and if i can take something away in the old days it used to be a cassette you know remember those things yes yes my my car actually has only a cassette player oh, and lovely. Yeah. yeah if i have a kid in the car it says what what's that <laughs> Yes. And I feel old. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, my car had an eight track. Do you remember those? No, you're Ooh. too weak. <laughs> I don't remember them, but I've heard about them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't too bad, actually, because you have two giant speakers on the back seats, you know. Um, <laughs> so, where were we? I got lost. Um, oh, my goodness. I got lost as well. Oh, about um, listening to the music oh, when right. you're. <laughs> yes. And if I can take away music. I certainly will. It's very important because you're not you're selling. You know, it's, it's it's a dirty word like it's commercial art. You're not supposed to say that, but what you're doing is you're really selling the music and you're telling people what's in. Wait for this old one. The grooves. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so what's in there is got to be portrayed. So you can't sort of do a sort of you know a sort of country sort of look on a rock and roll album or you know. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, and you've got to let people know. Or you've got to remember that in those days, in the racking days, 15% of your sales were probably impulse sales. Yeah. People come in to get their, their record they want, but then they say, oh, look at that. Maybe I'll try that. Sure. And 15% is a hell of a lot. Which it explains is. why the budgets in those days were much, much better than they are now. Mm -hmm. I mean, the uh, uh, Hotel California, I think, cost $40,000. Goodness, a lot more. Um, and not that I walked away with that amount of money, believe me. Uh, <laughs> I wish I had. Um, but, but, but when you consider that they would sell six million records at the end of the week at six bucks a pop, that forty thousand dollars is very little, yeah, definitely. Nowadays, of course, you know, we're downloading and whatever else, it's and different, like yeah. Yeah, and of course, uh, and, re and record labels seem to, if they don't have a hit off the first album, you're not really going to be picked up again. You know, it's a whole different system now. Yeah, which is a shame in a way, because I think the fact that people 
literally had to go out and buy a record to actually own it showed a lot more investment in enjoying music and what music meant to them. Whereas now, when everyone is like, oh, this is the new Beatles, this is the new whatever in terms of sales, but it's something that either you can order it or you can listen to for free. It's a completely different way to enjoy music and shouldn't really compare. I well, believe. yeah, there's also the tactile quality is kind of gone now. Oh, yes, yeah. You open the gatefold and you read the lyrics and you look at the pictures and maybe there's a poster inside or whatever you do, you know. And I mean, I think the gatefold was invented for a specific reason is when you were cleaning your illegal grass in those days, you could actually have the seeds run down the middle and onto your lap and you can roll your doobie. <laughs> I mean, you got to be resourceful. <laughs> yes, I can say that now in California because it's legal. So I don't know. <laughs> oh, oh, true. Well, you are in California, so that works. <laughs> yeah, right, sure. Yeah, but I don't do anything anymore, believe me. Clean as a whistle. <laughs> <laughs> so talking about California, you uh, worked with the Eagles for Hotel California. Yes. And uh, is that true that Don Henley is... And it like it is extremely like it's a perfectionist, sometimes even a bit too much. No comment. <laughs> I'm curious that why, why did it cost so much to produce? Was it well, hard because to get in those days we were get, we were scouting. We had the lighting uh, for the inside. There was all the lighting and all the people who were involved in getting their releases and. Um, building that set in fact um, and when we were scouting out we found three locations which we in those days you would present um, as last prints I would have uh, 60 at least 60 inch prints made five foot square prints mm -hmm. um, beautiful silver chromes retouched to present to the band to choose from you know and uh, with the and yeah, I mean, it just mounts up, you know. I mean, nowadays you could actually bang, bang this thing out, if you pardon the expression, <laughs> for probably a couple of grand, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, that, yeah, so yeah that explains. It was, um, yeah, retouching alone, you know, sort of yeah. is the subject right enough, boom, bang it up a bit more, you know, get the blue mm. light. Um, mm. So there's all that stuff going on. And then there's the experimentation of, like, do we get the right grain structure? And yeah. the hand painted Hotel California sign had to make him look like it was real neon. And therefore, that had to, when we photographed that, that had the same grain structure as the photograph. So I can bore you to tears with all this stuff. <laughs> I'm not bored. I'm not. Don't worry. <laughs> no, and that's actually quite interesting. And uh, because, as I was saying, I know nothing about design. So obviously, it's so beautiful to see how much work there is behind something that obviously you see and you see it in one second and you have absolutely no idea how long it, it took to actually do that and um oh i had another question i watched the who uh, a couple of months ago they they were playing near me that oh was, really nice. yeah absolutely amazing honestly i absolutely love them and uh, obviously you worked with them uh, for um, who's next right. so could you Tell us a little bit about how you got involved with The Who. Um, do you know how I got involved? I think it was because Ethan Russell was the photographer because he was like um, 
working around town in London and uh, I got invited. What happened was that I was I wasn't actually at the photo session. I was on my way to Mooney's house, um, which is a totally different story, um, to read, in, anticipating his arrival. Um, and so the picture was totally serendipitous. Um, but the rumours that you hear about uh, Roger Daltrey's pee wasn't really pee, it was a cup of water, is true. Because uh, <laughs> <Okay. laughs> with um, the who, you never really know, I guess. And, and the fact that the sky was so grey uh, that we had to strip a new uh, sky in, which I did, but did so badly you can see it now it looks like i did it with a toothbrush um but but somehow it turned into an icon because it was obvious you know who's next was the title and there was these string of pictures and it was um there it was i mean pete townsend apparently hates it oh, uh, oh i didn't know that it's now on the new box the no, exactly. Box. Like they keep advertising it. <laughs> like every day I see a new yes, advert yes, on yes. Instagram. <laughs> uh, he quoted as actually quoted as saying this, he thinks the cover's a piece of shit. So uh, <laughs> I'd love to tell everybody that because I think <laughs> 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 only because it turned in such an icon, you know. But, you don't know that anything's gonna be an icon when you're doing it. You're just trying to pay the no, rent. Oh, of course, of course. And obviously one of the things that became I guess one of the most iconic events in music history was the rooftop concert. Did you yeah. know when obviously things started, like when they decided to go up on the roof and when they actually played, did did you feel like, because you were there, right. did, did you feel like it was going to be a very topical moment? How was it? Um we knew, I think, that, um, but didn't want to believe uh, that it was going to be their last performance, mm -hmm. you know, live or not. So, yeah, there was definitely an, um, a vibe going on up on the roof, you know, because people are climbing across the roof from other buildings. And that was, and it was freezing up there too. It was not exactly comfortable. I wasn't dressed for the occasion because <laughs> um, I was, I was popped up to deliver a message to my mate Kevin Harrington, who's the guy who was holding the lyrics up to John, because um, and he was the head roadie. And um, I stayed and was behind the chimney pots, as you can see, because mm -hmm. one's not supposed to get on camera. Um, but yeah, I, I, I realized actually when it was all over, that was a momentous moment, you know. And then I saw the movie and was very disappointed. But now I've seen it again. The, new <laughs> the whole thing has changed. Totally. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's it's good that at least now they managed to. Well, they know. put the record straight, in my opinion. Yeah. No. It, I mean, hearing it from someone that was actually there is so meaningful because obviously as a fan, you always want to believe that everything is, oh, they're all friends. Everything is fine. But obviously hearing it from someone that was there, it, that is not like romanticized only because I want it to be romanticized in a way. It's it's good. I, I really appreciate it <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the whole thing about working um, at Apple, uh, as, as we said earlier, was kind of elevated to a point where you know you're working for the biggest and best band in the world. Yeah. And of course, the, the guys, the, the the band themselves are really nice people. I mean, that's the good point about it, you know. Mm -hmm. Maybe sort of having those sort of differences behind the curtain, as it were. Um, but when you're actually talking to any one of them at any one point, um, they show respect. And of course, they're very funny. 
Yeah. John Derby sort of wit, which you've got to get round. I mean, some people, you know, took offence at it, but, you know. <laughs> um, sometimes it was just, like, hilarious, you know. Ringo is very funny. Mm-hmm. George. George always used to call me Johnny. Aw. <laughs> Johnny, Johnny, you know. Did you have any nicknames with for them? Yes, yes. Paulie, Paul was Paulie. <laughs> Ringo was Richie, which is his real name. Yeah. Uh, John was Lenny, um, and George was Georgie. Aww. Not only to their faces, I might add. <laughs> well, h- how was working with Yoko Ono? Because obviously, you worked a lot with her as yeah, well. Well, yeah, because I did their, you know, their wedding album and sure. whatever. She was great. I mean, yeah. I mean, we met in the, as I said, in the Hampstead. Um, no, not Hampstead. Where was it? Hammersmith. Hospital where she was, you know, in dead trouble again from, you know, trying not to, you know, have another baby. What, what, what was going wrong? I mean, something was going wrong. But anyway, um, she liked my work, and I walked in there um, when I walked in there, and I had drawn um, my hand. I, I'm illustrating this bit um, round on a piece of paper. I just drew an outline of my hand and cut a hole in the middle, and then walked in and looked through the hole at her. And she thought that was hilarious, and we got on fine from that point on. <laughs> well, that, I like that... to conceptual, you know. I mean, sort of uh, mm-hmm. climb up a ladder, and the very tiniest thing says, "You are here." You know, this, that, yeah, this. yeah. Paint and... with blood until you faint. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious about something though, because we talked about obviously the people you worked with, and you worked with many artists. Uh, but is there anyone you would have wanted to work with, but you've never had the opportunity? Yes, um, Elvis. Ooh. Well, that's or a big Roy. one. Or, <laughs> or, <yeah>. Whoa. <laughs> I got to work with Dylan, which was one on my list, yeah. Um, but, uh, but that was, yeah, that was interesting, I must admit. Yeah, how how was it? It was fine. I mean, we I did his title sequence for his movie, Ronaldo and Clara, which, you know, I think when it was cut down to three hours, I still had to watch it four times. Um, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, no, it was fine. He was great, actually. Yeah, we, we had a sort of, you know, uh, I had a problem with my projector and I blew a bulb and I was showing his stuff. And then um, we put a new bulb in and that blew and I ran out of spares. So we ended up hands and knees, you know, gathered around a, um, a light box with a loop looking at my work. But he took it quite well. I was quite surprised. I thought he'd be irritable. But no, he was all right. Was <laughs> Good. Yeah. Who's your favourite artist? Of, like, considering, obviously, you worked with so many, and I assume you actually admire many of them. Oh, but who, yeah, if you had to pick one, I, I assume it's very hard to pick. One other, as opposed to Linda, I guess. I mean, there was... Uh, James Taylor was great to work with. Oh, God, you throw that question at me. Um, <laughs> people I don't like working with, I'm not going to mention those. Um, <laughs> I was going to ask that, but <laughs> it's I'm a sticky working one. With working with Randy Newman, um, you know, I guess it, it, I can't answer that question, really. <laughs> they're all different, you know. No, of course, of course. And, and he worked with Carol King as well. Yeah, she, she was great. She was amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she just, you know, because that massive great hair and all this sort of stuff and just getting it. You know. 
I mean, one thing I liked about James is we could do anything with him. You know, he wanted mm -hmm. we put him in this in JT when you pull out the sleeve, he's a perfect square. Mm -hmm. Well, to get that, we had to scram it into a plexiglass, a perspex box. Uh huh. You know, getting him out was difficult. He couldn't walk for a half. I bet. Time. Yeah. Uh, but he did it. You know, he did it. Um, and then he came in with a crazy concept: I want to make sparks, and so we did. Dad loves his work. You know now. Mm -hmm. um, um, and he let me do that, and he let me do flag, which is nothing more than sort of a horizontal, you know, diagonal, red, pink and yellow, originally silk screened in thrice and inks. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, um, some artists are easy to work with, and some are not. You know, just uh, some yeah, know what, what... They want, some don't. You know, or mm -hmm. don't some care and some don't care. It's really weird. Yeah, do you get much input from them? Does it happen often that the, is the artist that actually has already a clear idea of what they want or well, sometimes i mean I'd, I'd like i do want their input as much as possible yeah well you're I mean, representing the work eight, you know um yeah i mean i like to find out what they're feeling you know and it might just be very loose you know like you know it might be i want to be really heavy and strong and punky on this all right nah, i just want to back off a bit you know <laughs> or i yeah. just want to put my head which is like you know yeah, this 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 sort of happens, you know. You sort of get a set ready, and everything's going, and everything's fine. Yeah. And then a person unknown will come in and say, "I don't want to do it anymore." Sure. And then you've got to go back to Warner Brothers and say, "I just spent thirty grand of your money when fire fire <laughs> Oops. Oops. <laughs> I found it really interesting as well how I've seen how you developed obviously not everything but i've seen how you developed the logo for um the electric um electric like oh electric like orchestra it's it's quite a mouth mouthful um that is very interesting did you get input from them or did you just think about no, it I, no they, i decided that because i was going to do a new world record that they needed a logo i hadn't got one you know and mm -hmm. so i it, it, it's it's a combination of one of my dad's jukeboxes, which is the top, um, and the electric light orchestra logo itself is really General Electric's logo sort of messed with. So it said a lot to me that this is electricity and this mm -hmm. is music and whatever else. No, I had no input whatsoever. And they're still using it too, you might notice. It's yeah. Everywhere. But it changes it a little bit because they're not quite sure who owns the copyright. Like, is it me? You know, <laughs> you know, so I can't sue them. <laughs> See, how, how, how does that work? How how does it work when you design something? Do you own a part of it? I have absolutely no idea how that well, works. You sign your life away to in perpetuity, but I've never signed anything. So it's a grey area in some respects. Mm -hmm. I mean, photographers come, you know, normally can main retain me right there. Yeah. Unless they sign it away, um, but there's this sort of strange grey area where I mean, put it this way: if I got half a penny on Abbey Road, we'd be talking from my yacht. <laughs> no, definitely. <laughs> However, Fair enough. I, in Hollywood, so I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have one last question for you. Mm. Um, Who's your favourite Beatle? <laughs> oh, it's so difficult, but it's it's obvious because it's John Lennon. Yeah. Because <laughs> I worked so closely with him and I understood him. And he, and, you know, he more or less just liked my style and never interfered with anything. 
And he and I, I'll give you a little anecdote if we've got time. I do, uh, I do, yeah. Oh, good. The John Lennon diary, okay? John and I had to kneel on the floor um, and we had to, he had to write 365 entries on this huge sheet of paper, which of course gets folded and cut and turns into the diary. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can imagine by the time we're into September, his hand is cramping, you know, and he's on his knees. Yeah. And, right. um, and we eventually get down to, you know, you've, you've, you've seen the diary, right? And you know what's, what it is inside. Yeah. Right? So we don't have to go into the gory details of that. So we get down to the very last thing and he sort of can't stand up, you know, and I think Bill Oakes was there and helps him up and someone helps me up. And John turns to me and says, whose fucking idea was this? <laughs> <laughs> I can totally see him <laughs> saying that. So you can't help but love the man, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Oh, my God. And George was sweet, you know, and Ringo was nice. I've done four albums with Ringo, I think. So I think yeah. from Road to Rio on, there was three more, I believe. Um, yeah, and, uh, you yeah, know, Paul was nice. I did some title work from him over here for one of his shows, you know, because he used to work with hypnosis and hypnosis weren't available. So, mm-hmm. but you know, they're all very, very interesting and nice people to work with. And you also, I believe, um, worked on a Mersey Beat collection as well. Oh yeah, I sent that. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> I haven't got the uh, the record inside it. It's disappeared. Um, but yeah, that was like way back for the United Artists, and I just thought you might might tickle you. if I can find the album itself, because I'm sure it's rare. Mm-hmm. I'll get it to you. Oh, that would be amazing! <laughs> Actually, I just thought of of another question. Um, oh. Are you working on anything at the moment? Yeah, I'm doing a book on national parks of America, which is beautiful. Um, beautiful picture book. Mm-hmm. Uh, some stunning photography by Andy Katz. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing that, and I'm maybe working on some merchandise for Flipper's uh, Roller Rink, which was big in LA in the 70s, mm-hmm. and sort of popped up again in New York. Whether that will transpire or not, I don't know. But, you know, there's stuff coming at me. Good. Um, I'm enjoying myself. That's the main thing. You see, you get to my age, you can pick and choose who you want to work with. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, so your podcast. I know you're very technically very, very together on the Vox um, piece last week. At least I heard it last week. So, uh, yeah, I'm we... I'm very much. I, I like gear. I like music gear in yeah. general. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, you have to get yourself some more. You have to get yourself an eight, eight track now. I know. <laughs> over here, people are collecting eight tracks and cassettes. I know. And, I, I would know, love one, honestly. I honestly would love one uh, because I I love recording as well uh, and um, you know just re-listening to things. It just when you have everything that is like the right gear, both recording and listening is just just the best thing. Well, I'm honestly so happy that I got to talk to you and thank you very very much because oh, this was great. actually so fun. <laughs> Tinseltown, it's, it's fantastic, isn't it? Well, you will have a nice day. I'll have a nice, <laughs> have a nice evening. evening. <laughs> okay. All right, love. Thank you so okay. much. Yes, say goodbye. Oh, bye. Bye, Jenny. <laughs> bye. 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 bye.
I hope you enjoyed the interview. Again, a big thank you to John Kosh and also to Jenny Shaw. You can find both of them on social media at Kosh Art Design and Straight Jacket Store. They also have a podcast. Kosh's one is called Art of Rock with Kosh and Friends and Jenny's podcast is called Metal Priestesses. Again, thank you very much to these two and thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. See you next time. <laughs>